Our scripture for today is <laughs> Galatians. Chapter 5, 13 through 26. That's okay. I got it. I have it. <sighs> For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love, become enslaved to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Live by the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the spirit, and what the spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I am warning you as I warned you before. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, competing against one another, and envying one another. This is the word of God. So y'all, this is a good time to tell you that Elaine is working on establishing a reader's theater group. This is Elaine Ham. Say everybody, everybody say hi to Elaine. She is working to establish a reader's theater group that anybody can join, but especially those who are mature in years. And it will begin on October the 3rd. At what time again? 11.30. 11.30 to 1, bring a lunch. See what it's all about. We'll have some opportunities to, to be in worship together. Again, this is our second Sunday with our new times. We do have the sounds of children in the sanctuary, and that is a good thing because children are the life of the church. Hey, kiddos. Augie. 
Daphne, we're glad y'all are here. We're glad you're here. We have word searches available for all of you. You can take care of those right now in the sermon if that helps you listen, or you can take them home and do it later. It's just another way to connect with the fruit of the Spirit. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts together be pleasing in your sight this morning, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. A few days ago, one of my children sat at the kitchen table, slumped in the chair, arms crossed, scowling, head down, just looking at me with anger and pain and frustration. We just experienced a huge tantrum, and I invited my child to calm down a bit, and the response was, I can't! My brain is just telling me to be so mad right now. We've all been there, right? We know what that is like, even as adults. It's part of being human. Sometimes we become so agitated that we flip our lids, so to speak. And in that moment, the part of our brain that is in charge of our critical thinking and our reasoning shuts down. It's overtaken by chemicals such as adrenaline and cortisol that send us into fight or flight mode. The therapist who works with our family demonstrates the process like this. When all is well, and our brains are connected with every other part of our bodies, when our brains are connected with our nervous systems, our brains look like this. But as adrenaline starts pumping and overtakes our nervous system, our thinking brains more or less disconnect, and we're all alligator brain at that point. It's eat or be eaten. Studies show that the effects of adrenaline can take 20 to 30 minutes at minimum to wear off. We're often looking at something more like an hour for the full effect of the adrenaline to wear off and for us to calm down after we have flipped our lids. It's tough some days being human. These days it often feels like everyone in the whole world is running on adrenaline even in the church. And it's so easy for us to make snap judgments and quip at each other with thoughtless words, biting at each other, consuming each other, as the Apostle Paul warns about in the letter to the Galatians, which we read this morning. But this is not the way it's supposed to be for followers of Jesus. We are to live with freedom from the oppression of our gator brains keeping perspective, putting the needs of others first, even the most challenging situations require this of us. But adrenaline is powerful. The instinct to protect ourselves is natural. Our ability to process, our inability to process our own pain quickly can be debilitating, and we need help, especially when it comes to keeping our mouths shut before careless and damaging words escape them. But I have good news. It just so happens that we've been given an advocate. Jesus talked about this. We've been given an advocate to help us when we are struggling, when we need to be sustained in our thinking and even in our very breath. 
Today marks the third week of our current worship series, Confirmed. It's not what you know. And I designed this series based on conversations with youth and with adults during our confirmation class last spring. It covers some of the core tenets of our faith. So far, we've talked about what it means to be created and to use that creative force in God's world. We've talked about what it means to be redeemed. We've talked about the value of this gift of life that we have been given. And that brings us today to the notion of what it means to be sustained, to be nourished, to be equipped in this life. All of the work above is the work of the Trinity, which we call Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, or Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer. Now, all parts of the Trinity do all of this work. All parts of the Trinity create, redeem, and sustain. But it is the Holy Spirit who is most often called our sustainer. The work of the Holy Spirit is central to our United Methodist understanding and experience of God. The Spirit is the presence of God with us in real time. The Spirit is the agent of God's grace working within us, helping us to become more like Jesus. In our tradition, we call this sanctification, and we'll talk more about that next week. But the bottom line is we believe that our ability to grow in the love of God and neighbor and enemy is the work of the Spirit in our lives. In our holy text, the Spirit shows up as a pillar of fire to lead the Israelites through the wilderness, as a mighty wind blowing through the city of Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, as breath so powerful that it can bring a multitude of dry bones in a desert valley to life. Fire, wind, and breath, it's also dramatic. It's also poetic, but we're also given more practical names for the Spirit as well. Jesus himself speaks of the Spirit as a gift to the people of God, an advocate, a counselor, a comforter, the very essence of God with us, helping us to live as Jesus calls us to live. So the Holy Spirit can be found throughout our lives and throughout Scripture, but also in our tradition as well. Think about the cross and the flame. That symbol that sits on top of this very church building at the entrance, the emblem of the United Methodist Church. We must be sensitive to the fact that a burning cross has other implications in the history of our nation, but the intention of this design was for the flame to represent the Holy Spirit, especially in the movement of the Methodist people early on when John Wesley and Charles Wesley and those those holy Methodists in the beginning were working with the Spirit. That's just one example. Every time we light a candle, we're pointing to the presence of God with us as we see the light flicker in the air. Every time we lay hands on each other or extend a hand as a sign of blessing, we are calling recognition to the fact that the Spirit is at work in our community. And yes, every time we take a deep breath, we are connecting with the very spirit of the God who gives us life. A breath is my favorite imagery for the spirit, in case you haven't figured that out yet. And our breath has a practical function as well. Breathing deeply can help us close our lids and our mouths. 
So we don't say something to damage our relationships while we are still feeling the effects of adrenaline. It sounds simple, but the Apostle Paul knew that this was hard work for all of us, and this is one reason he gives us these lists in the fifth chapter of Galatians. So let's look at the first list first, the one that includes immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, sorcery, drunkenness, carousing. Now these practices are obviously not good for us. Paul even uses that term, obvious. These are obviously not good for us. We often read these words in the list and we recognize how horrible they are and we thank God that we would never do these things and then we dismiss the whole list altogether. But those eight little words in the middle, those are less obvious. Their behaviors are less obvious. And these are the ones that eat us alive. Hostility, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrel, dissension, faction, envy. These are trickier. They're sneakier. We can ignore them. We can hide them. We can justify them. And we do this. We all do this, even in the church. And it is killing us. I know that sounds dramatic, but the church has been in decline for decades, steady decline, sharp decline, and we can try to blame changes in the culture. We can try to blame shifts in society, and lately we can blame the effects of the pandemic, but human action has a role to play too. Beloved, in our society at large, we are devouring each other. In the church too. Look around. Really, take a minute and look around. Our numbers are about half of what they were before the pandemic started. And this is true in most churches around the nation. And it's true that COVID-19 COVID certainly didn't help. But the numbers were in decline long before March of 2020. The numbers have been declining at Morningstar for about a decade. And in the church at large since 1960. Why? Again, we could blame technology. We could blame the 24-7 work cycle. We could blame the prioritization of sports and activities over church. We could blame the younger generation's disinterest in religion. And we often do blame those things. But the root of the issue is this. We are not practicing what we preach. In the church, we are not practicing what we preach. We talk a good game. We say we love each other, we love God, we love neighbor, we pray for our enemies. But when we become anxious or angry, our gator brains take over just like with anyone else, and we snap at each other and about each other, which is just as bad. And that kind of action, when it becomes a pattern of behavior, it creates division. It could be subtle most of the time, but it becomes an undercurrent that undermines our authenticity. And people who are looking for Christians to act like Jesus and not finding them in the church will go elsewhere or nowhere. And they have been since 1960. But it doesn't have to be this way if we just be willing to breathe. The ancient practice of breath prayer can help us with this. I know some of you have been practicing this with me in different areas, and it's just what it sounds like. It's 
breathing while we pray. It's praying while we breathe. And we can write our own breath prayers pretty easily. First, think about your preferred name for God, whether that's God the Father, the Almighty, Lord, Creator, Source of All. My favorite name for God is Breath of Life. And then think about what you need, what you're seeking, your deepest longing. Maybe it's a line from scripture or a favorite hymn. Maybe it's here I am, Lord, or not my will, but yours, or come, Lord Jesus, come. My favorite is give me peace. So on the inhale, we breathe in our name for God, and on the exhale, we breathe out our deepest longing. Inhale, our name for God, and exhale, our deepest longing. Let's practice that right now this morning in three deep breaths. Amen. Thanks. I know it feels a little silly to pray like that in a room full of people, but breath prayer is one of my favorite forms of prayer because it's so accessible. We can literally do this anywhere, at any time, at a second's notice, every time we take a breath. And it reminds us who God is. And it reminds us that we need God. And it gives us the opportunity to calm down. Deep breaths can counteract the effect of adrenaline and help us to calm down or to stay calm. My older children have begun to recognize this truth. When they are upset, they have begun saying sometimes, not all the time, Mommy, I'm just like this right now. I'll say, okay, okay, me too. <laughs> let's, let's, let's take some deep breaths and we'll breathe together. When we're at our best, we don't always do this every time, but we're learning. We'll breathe together until we feel reconnected within ourselves and with each other in the midst of our anxiety, our pain, our fear, our frustration, our anger. And it gives us a gift of the pause, right? It, it makes us busy with something really important so that we can't say something that we might regret. Go, Owen. It gives us a moment to think about what really matters the actions and the attributes that truly reflect the work of God in our lives. And now we're talking about the second list in Galatians. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, and self-control. This is the work of the Spirit in our lives, and this is how we reflect the image of God in the world as followers of Jesus. But living this way doesn't just happen. It takes practice. But even more than that, it takes the work of the Holy Spirit within us and a willingness for us to cooperate with the work of the Spirit. But it also takes the work of the Holy Spirit for us on our behalf. And that's happening too all of the time. And that's something that I really want you to know right now at this time in human existence, in this time of division in our country and fraction and our denomination and weariness in our local church, the Holy Spirit, the breath of life, prays for us. 
especially when we don't know what to say. This declaration comes from the Apostle Paul, too. In Romans chapter 8, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with groans too deep for words. Other translations say that the Spirit intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words. Well, what is a sigh? It's a really deep breath, right? In other words, when we don't know what to say or to do, the Holy Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God takes a deep breath on our behalf, willing us to stay connected within ourselves and with each other. We would do well to do the same. To take a deep breath, especially when we're feeling like this. In those moments, we can trust that in every breath, we are sustained by the one who breathes life. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you so much for the gift of breath. We thank you so much for the reminder with every breath that you are with us, that we are not alone, that you are here to help us stay connected within ourselves and with each other, to grow in love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and generosity and self-control. We have trouble doing those things on our own. We need your help. So thank you for the reminder with every breath that you don't expect us to do it alone, that you are here with us with every breath we take. Amen.